Hockey Hangover Podcast. We're back. Uh, Ricky, I am a bit nasally this week. I've <clears throat> been battling something. Allergies, size infection, something. COVID. Maybe COVID. Uh, <laughs> apparently, apparently the uh, my mom works for HHS. Apparently, like the newer the newer variant causes like size infection type symptoms. So, you know, who's to say anymore? I, I've got something. I've been battling it most of the week. Uh, my voice was kind of going in and out earlier in the week. Didn't want to record like Wednesday. I definitely didn't want to record yesterday. I was dead after my brother-in-law's graduation. So here we are recording on Friday. I am still pretty dead, uh, but at least I have a voice today. Yes. And uh, in a, in a normal situation, I would not be able to record on a Friday morning, but um, my work is, is um, my work schedule changed quite, quite quickly yesterday. And I am now off today and tomorrow, which is nice. Uh, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, I'm also off all next week going on vacation uh, to see the family. My sister is graduating high school, which means I am officially an old man and, um, you know, glad that I could reach that, reach that milestone with you, my friend. Yeah. And, uh, while we're at it, shout out to my brother-in-law, Scott graduated from his master's program at Johns Hopkins yesterday. I was at that graduation. I was actually planning to play golf with him this morning, which would have rendered it hard to record a podcast this morning, Ricky. Um, was supposed to go out with him and his brother and his dad woke up with a fever. I was like, you know what? Probably shouldn't go out and play golf this morning. Um, I don't skip golf for almost anything, but figured fever, size infection symptoms probably shouldn't, uh, go and, and traverse the links today. And, you know, uh, if you were, in, if you were in Blacksburg and you were suffering from, you know, cold flu, like symptoms, transition, baby, the only place that you would go to get some over the counter remedies so you could feel a little bit better is main street pharmacy. That's right. So, uh, it's a shame that you aren't in Blacksburg, um, it, so that you could go to main street pharmacy, but if you were, you undoubtedly would go there. Right. I mean, don't be like me and go to those giant conglomerates like CVS pharmacy down the street, which is why oh, Jeremy just had a stroke when you yeah. said that, <laughs> which is what I had to do this morning to get more medication. Um, yeah, go, go to Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. I know we're kind of entering the summer. Um, you know, some kids are are sticking around for summer classes at Virginia Tech. By the way, I recommend to do that at least once. I kind of had to. Do I it didn't out stick around for summer classes, but I did work a summer in Blacksburg for an internship. And yeah, it's dope. Um, it's good Blacksburg Blacksburg summers are interesting for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I had to stick around for some summer classes because I was double majoring um, in accounting and finance. The only way I could graduate on time in four years was to take some summer classes, which I did. Um, so anyway, check out Main Street Pharmacy if you're there for summer classes. If not, then in a few months when you go back to school, head down to Main Street Pharmacy because not only do they hook you up with all the medication you need, they also hook you up with uh, school supplies for sure. They got everything you need um, at Main Street Pharmacy. Shout out, Jeremy, uh, loyal sponsor of the podcast, Rick. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, if you're in Blacksburg, you probably need to try and find out 
which businesses in Blacksburg are signing up for this Hokies Exchange, um, which is going to be kind of the launching point for today's podcast because we've been we've been talking about this for several weeks now, Mike. Given how much has happened just in the last couple months as it relates to NIL, um, obviously Jordan Addison just announced his official transfer to. USC, which we all knew was happening, what, a month ago? About, um, yeah. And then earlier this offseason, Isaiah Wong was basically saying, I'm going to transfer if Miami doesn't get me a larger NIL deal. Um, what the hell happened? Yeah. And like, this also- is this is not what everyone wanted. Yeah, and also just to kind of finish the conversation, the last 24 hours, it's been Nick Saban talking about how Texas A&M bought all of their players in the top-ranked recruiting class through NIL deals, and Jimbo Fisher firing back at Nick Saban saying, hey, let's not, essentially, let's not go searching for the skeletons in your closet, because, you know, bottom line is, like, teams have been paying players under the table for years, right? Um, That's, like, the worst-kept secret in college athletics. Not all schools do it, but some of the premier ones do. It does happen. Um, And what name, image, and likeness has done, it's allowed players to now go out and make money off of who they are and what they do on the field, right, and how they market themselves, which I think in and of itself is a very, very good thing, right, that the players are able to get a piece of the pie. What has become problematic over the last few months and has made for a very interesting college football offseason, Rick, is that teams are now paying players essentially through NIL. What I mean by that is teams are not specifically, and, and this is really important for purposes of this conversation, teams are not allowed to negotiate NIL deals directly with players. But that's not going to stop schools from finding a way to get players the money that they need in a marketing deal, right, Um, to get them to come to a school, to make their school more attractive, right? Um, The Jordan Addison deal is a good example of that, right? So Pete Thamel a month ago reported that Addison was going to enter the transfer portal and USC was seen as a likely destination because they were going to give him a huge NIL deal. Well, that's problematic because what that sets precedence for is now you are able to use NIL as a vehicle to poach players from other rosters across the sport. It is essentially college football free agency, Ricky. And yes, players have always been paid. That's not, I'm not breaking news or breaking new ground by saying that, but now it's legal and teams don't care and when you add in the fact that you can transfer one time for free, which I, I agree with in a silo, right? The players should be able to do that. You know, coaches can leave schools at any time and be immediately eligible to coach elsewhere. Why can't players do the same thing? That was the argument for years. In a silo, I totally agree with that. But the issue is now you have NIL and teams are now using it as a vehicle to poach players off of other rosters. And Ricky, that sets a really, really bad precedent for the sport. That's not what we want. It's not what anybody I, wanted. I don't think that's what anybody wanted. Like yeah. I, I've been 
I've been very supportive of of NIL as a concept since it was you know first really introduced um, to to the industry. I've I, I I've never been a fan of schools uh, giving players paychecks, right? You know, and treating them as employees. I, I, I'm not a I'm not a fan of that because that's not what college football is supposed to be. Um, but I've always thought that an athlete should be able to take advantage of their success and in uh and their name uh and make a living for themselves um while not having this free agency type structure that would that that we thought would come about if schools were going to start paying players and and this was one of the the first uh, concerns we had when cost of attendance was brought up, right? Because uh, schools have different costs of attendance that they're allowed to pay uh, their their scholarship athletes. So, for instance, a school in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, i.e., the University of Alabama, can can game the system in order to build a higher cost of attendance than a school in, I don't know, maybe Norfolk, Old Dominion University, uh, that has much higher property values and a much higher demand for housing and higher demand for food and all of these other things, the cost of attendance can be higher at some of those, those schools that theoretically you would think it would be lower, but it's Alabama, so they're going to find a way to make that cost of attendance number as big as possible. So that way, when they bring in whoever they want to bring in, they can throw that that cost of attendance money on the table as part of the as as part of the pitch. Um, and now that we're talking about NIL stuff and schools are schools are playing such a big role in how these deals get done, and that's a that's a real problem. Um, right is that in an, in an ideal world, the school would have no impact on an NIL deal whatsoever. Um, let's, say, let's say Mike McDaniel is a 1,000-yard receiver at Virginia Tech, and, um, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think. What's the name of the the entertainment place now? It's changed ownership like three times. The one at South Main. Oh, the uh, the bowling alley. First in May, the bowling yeah. alley. Yeah, yeah. Let's say that let's say that the shopping center first in Main wanted to wanted to uh, use Mike McDaniel as a spokesman to go visit you know places throughout First in Main, and. Um, they wanted to pay Mike X amount of dollars to do that. Well, that's great. Like, that's fine. What you don't want is Virginia Tech going out to uh, Motor Mile and being like, hey, uh, let's get a $50,000 sponsorship deal for this recruit that we really, really want. Because if we don't get him this $50,000 sponsorship deal, 
he might get a $40,000 sponsorship deal at Penn State. Like, like, and we Ricky, have, what's, we have happening, a, what's happening right now? That's exactly the, what's the happening. Ladder. That's <laughs> the ladder. That's correct. Exactly what's happening. I mean, because, Jordan, because the schools, because the schools have a way, and this is the point I was making off the top in, in more words, the schools have a way to figure out ways to still get their player in the door, right? There are ways that you can back channel things. And, and that's, the, that's, I think, the problem that the NCAA is going to be facing now because they sat on their thumb essentially for years while, you know, we knew this NIL legislation was going to eventually come down the pipeline from Congress if the NCAA didn't do something about it themselves, which they didn't because they, they fumbled it like they always do. And then Congress took it out of the NCAA's hands and said, you know what, players can do whatever the hell they feel like. They can, they can make money off the of game, image, and likeness. No matter what you all try to do, NCAA, um, this is now a law. So, sorry. Shocker. You're telling me that Congress got involved in something and it made it worse. Congress got involved, and I think the intent was good, but they made it worse because... I mean, that's no... that's standard. The intent is usually good. Right. And right. it never works. Right. Um, and and there, were no, there were no bumpers around the situation. But I, my point here is that teams are always going to find a way to get their players in the door. And now it's made easier when exorbitant amounts of money are being pulled in. The thing that's going to be interesting now is how does this get, and I don't want to say, I don't want to say fixed because I don't want to make it seem like I'm not in favor of NIL because no, I, it needs to get fixed. But this is an issue right now. Like you can't have teams poaching players off of rosters. You can't do it. Because even if the NCAA goes out and says, you know what, it's not, you know, tampering is not allowed. You know, teams can't tamper with other schools. Like, yeah, that's true. They, they can't do that. Tampering is not allowed. But if Jimbo Fisher knows a high school coach in Texas um, who may be uh, the former coach of a player that plays at, I don't know, let's use Alabama, for instance, for sake of this conversation. Jimbo Fisher knows a high school coach in Texas that has a player who's now playing for Alabama and he reaches out to the high school coach in Texas and says, Hey, is player X happy with his current situation on the depth chart at Alabama or is he looking to transfer? Cause if he's looking to maybe transfer, um, you know, there are some things we could do to make Texas A&M an attractive option if he were to enter the portal. Right. And the NCAA would have a really, really hard time, you know, tracking a conversation if you're going like three or four levels deep you know what i mean they'd have a hard time chasing that down schools have been doing that forever right it's a re it's you know been the way that players have been paid kind of under the table is they've gone through back channels with you know other third-party individuals to get the player what they need to make a school an attractive option for them right and that's not going to change now. It's only exacerbated by the fact that NIL is now here and it's real and players can make more money than they ever have before, which I think is a good thing in a silo. But I think when you add the one-time transfer rule in specifically, it makes tampering a real, real issue that's come to light. And I'm not sure what the easiest fix is, Ricky. That's the thing. Like, you know, we can talk about how this is a problem and I've been, you know, I've been bitching and complaining on social media for months about how this is a problem. 
But then when people respond to me on social media and they say, okay, yeah, we get it. It's an issue. What's the fix? And I come back and I truthfully tell them, I don't know what the fix is. Like, sure. I look like an idiot, but I don't know what the easiest fix is to this current problem across college athletics. And it is a problem because I don't think that you should be able to poach kids off of rosters before they enter the portal. The Jordan Addison thing's troubling, Ricky, because Pete Thamel from ESPN, he knew that Jordan Addison was going to USC a month ago. He knew that already before Addison even entered the portal. He wrote the article saying that Addison was considering entering the portal and USC was seen as the most likely destination because of NIL. Ricky, the rule right now is that schools are not able to contact you if you're doing if you're doing this within the regulations. Schools are not allowed to contact you until you enter the portal because that's supposed to be the first time that they know that you're intending to transfer someone. But word got to Lincoln Riley that Addison was going to enter the transfer portal before he even entered it. And NIL deals were brokered behind the scenes, right, to make USC an attractive option before Addison even entered the transfer portal. ESPN got the story with Pete Thamel. Why did they get the story? Like, there are some issues I have with this across the board, Rick. And I don't know what the easiest fix is. I'm not even sure that Lincoln Riley caught wind that Jordan Addison was interested in entering the portal. I, I have a feeling that someone at USC found a way to reach Jordan Addison before he was even interested in going into the portal. So Jordan Addison, who just won the Blitnikoff award partially because he's a, a very good receiver and partially because he just had Kenny Pickett throwing him passes. Uh, part of me feels like Jordan Addison was, was not the one that was initiating this process. And that's where it really gets dangerous because that is actually poaching players off of teams. Um, yeah. You get, you know, imagine if, if, if Michael Vick had been able to be poached off of Virginia Tech's roster in 2000. Right. Like, this is, this is Pandora's box, right? If you, if you really want to go down this road and you're going to continue to let NIL go unfettered and uh, you're not going to have any protections uh, for, for schools in terms of roster building and roster protection, uh, you are basically entering a professional league structure, right? Like, right. And you're just using NIL as a way to effectuate free agency. Um, I don't know if, if maybe having a, a rule where, uh, transfers are not allowed to sign an NIL deal in their first year at their new school. Um, I don't know if that's possible or if that would make an impact, but on the surface, it seems like that would be one way to, to try and disincentivize, um, players transferring to schools specifically for specific NIL deals. Um, if you, if you make the player put all of their NIL deals on hold for a year, maybe you help slow that process a little bit. Um, if you're not going to slow that process, if you're just going to let this continue to happen, then what, 
what incentive is there for the smaller schools to continue to, to play this, this game because it's a game they can't win. Um, these, these bigger brands, Alabama, Clemson, USC, Florida, Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan, there's no competing with them. Right. At this game. Um, you just can't do it. So, well, and they and they talk about parity in the sport too. And yeah, I get it. There's never really been parity, but I think what we're going to have the issue we're going to have now is that with the current state of how things are and how this has been operated this off season specifically with like brokering nil to lure players away from schools is that any hope of parity or any chance that, you know, some, some schools outside of like the three or four schools that are always in it, Georgia, Bama, Ohio state, Clemson, like any semblance of parity, I think is going to be gone. Right. Like I just, I have a hard time seeing schools like Virginia Tech schools like I don't know choose like middle of the road Big Ten schools I don't know Michigan State um, Wisconsin Wisconsin like how are these schools going to compete at a national championship level on a consistent basis they're not like, they're not right because like, they're going to have a really hard time doing and Michigan State Michigan State I did they, they've been you know they've been better lately and they've, they've been to a college football playoff, you know, since its inception and stuff like that. But like, what are the chances they get back anytime soon? Probably pretty low. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, the, the aggregation of talent at the top has been a problem and this is just making that problem worse. Yeah. I think it's widening, it's widening gap, I think even further. Yeah, no, it is. And something that needs to needs to be done as soon as possible. And I don't know if it'll ever get done is a reduction in scholarships. Uh, so currently power five teams are allowed to have 85 scholarships on their roster. That number probably needs to go down to like 75. Right. Um, or something along those lines. Um, that is one thing that will help have some of the talent trickle down. But the problem you have is, is that, that talent that trickles down when they show out and, and that talent becomes apparent at the lower levels, you know, whether it happened in the, the American athletic conference, it happens in the Sun Belt, or maybe it happens in the ACC or the PAC 12. How do you keep that talent from then collecting at the blue blood programs? Right. And that's, that's gotta be like, like the biggest the biggest goal for the next NCAA president. Cause Mark Emmert is retiring. Right. I believe. Right. Yep. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He, so he's the next NCAA president, that, oh, that's gotta I, be, by the way, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, no. Good timing. Good timing there. Huh? Convenient timing. <laughs> Mark Emmert's tenure as NCAA commissioner has been um, something. Yeah. It's just been absolutely riddled with with problems um, that many of which are his own his own organizations doing. But um, 
at a certain point, if you continue down this road, the only fixable solution, and this is going to sound nuts, but the only fixable solution is to have some sort of draft for high school recruits where they, as soon as they, you know, hit their senior year, they can, they can apply to, to be a part of the NCAA draft, which is that just is interesting. A, that, that is interesting. I, so then, so I've heard, I've heard people talk about like potential solutions. I have not heard this where it's like, Oh, totally out of the kid's hands now in terms of like what school, and maybe there are ways they can, um, they can make it happen. We're like, Oh, I don't want to go to that school. Maybe there's, there's like uh, avenues so that they can, you know, similar to like the major league baseball draft, right. Where you can choose to stay in the draft, you know, stay with the team and sign with them or return to school. Um, that is a very interesting concept, Rick. I don't, I have no idea how that would work. It's, it's, I don't either. It's, yeah. it, it, it's literally just a, a thought. And I, I have very, uh, I have a lot of doubt that it will never happen. Um, but at, at a certain point, there has to be a way to protect the, the middle, not even, not even the lower end programs because lower end programs like UConn football, they're not expected or, to ever win. At that or point. yeah, like they're right. football is not a priority for them, but this is, screwing, get, this is screwing the middle class of the sports, like yeah, of, of college, college football. I, I don't, I like to focus the conversation on college football because college basketball, you can get hot in a tournament and win the whole thing. Like well, that doesn't happen in college football. It's just well, like, even then, but like Miami is not really the middle class of college basketball. They've no. been in the NCAA tournament for like the last, what, five or six years. They've been, they've been making sweet 16s and they're always winning a ton of games in the conference. Um, Miami, I wouldn't say that they're like in the, the upper echelon class, but they're not even in the middle class of college basketball. And they're about to lose one of their best players because he's unhappy with how much money he's making at NIL. Right. And like, shouldn't, shouldn't that message get across to, to the NCAA that you have a player who's holding out from playing for his university because his university won't get him a larger NIL deal when they're not supposed to be the ones getting him the NIL deal in the first place. Like, shouldn't that message have like just sent off fire alarms at the, at right. the NCAA headquarters? I mean, but, but Rick, they, they've been ignoring this for years. Right. So it should have, but we know how this works. I mean, they've been blowing it off for years. Like if they wanted to have meaningful legislation that they felt like, like within within the sport, right? Um, within the NCAA, I'm not talking about congressional legislation. I'm talking like changes to the bylaws of the NCAA. Like if they really wanted to get out ahead of this, they could have. We saw NIL coming down the pipe, Ricky, since easily since I was in college, right? Twenty, I graduated in 2015, right? Like we we knew this was coming even then. Yep. I mean, they've had years. I mean, they've they've fumbled this for years. Literally, it, it, like, I mean, it was it was saying. years before then because that was the last NCAA video game that was ever made. Right, right, and that's when the complaints. Yeah, that the last NCAA video game was thirteen, I think, 
and, yep. and you knew and you knew then it was like well you know kids aren't making their money off name image and like this this is an issue like we knew it was an issue we didn't know like when it was going to start to i don't want to say get resolved um with like legislation specifically from a congressional level it came down like a year and a half ago but like we knew that eventually this was like the elephant in the room right and the NCAA knew about it for years and years and years. Easily for the last, the better part of the last decade, they knew that this was coming, right? And they just chose to ignore it. And again, like when I, when I see the defense of people being like, well, this is how it's always been. Players have been paid for years. Yes, that's true. But we've never seen anything like this from the standpoint of now you can transfer um, one time for free. And when you combine the two elements of NIL and the one time free transfer, it makes things really difficult. And I, I think the easiest way to probably address it in the near term and coaches have complained and, and, and big time coaches have complained about this. Dabo was getting dunked on before last season because Dabo came out and said, and you'll remember Rick, he took a ton of criticism for this. He came out and he said, the transfer portal right now is kind of like the wild west. And he said, it makes it really difficult to manage a roster. And everybody dunked on him and said, oh, poor Dabo, you know, doesn't have a top recruiting class this year. And then, you know, he's got players transferring in and out, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't know which way's up from down. Everybody was dunking on him. He was right. He was right. And he saw it coming before a lot of people did. But now you're seeing, like, Nick Saban start to come around to the fact that, like, regardless of whether or not you agree with his comments about Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban's been making comments about how, the transfer portal is making it difficult from a roster management standpoint for teams where players right now can transfer in and out at pretty much any time. And it makes it really difficult to kind of know who's going to be in the foxhole with you like tomorrow, let alone six months from now, right? <laughs> when you're in the middle of the college football season. And I think probably the easiest way to begin to address this, and I, I don't think it really even fixes anything um, long-term, with kind of this NIL and, and portal deal, but like, I still think there needs to be some sort of guardrails around the transfer portal where like, there should only be certain times where you're allowed to make a decision to transfer in and out. So at least teams can, you know, understand that there's a period of time where you can gain or lose players, right? So Ricky, we know when those times are, right? It's, you know, fall camp where a player falls out of, you know, a player is kind of buried on the depth chart. They know they're not going to play a lot. Um, after spring practice, I think even more so, like you kind of have that's an idea where one. you stand, right? Like that's, that's probably the biggest one, actually, to be honest, just backtrack a little bit, probably. Well, that, one. and also right at the end of the season, there's a lot of, a lot of transfers right that happen season. right at the end of the season. Um, right. In the order, it's probably spring practice, end of the season. And then like kind of in fall camp or like late in the summer where you kind of know where you stand. Yeah. Um, but I think there should be some periods where, you know, players are allowed to transfer um, or allowed to, you know, enter the portal and kind of test the waters a little bit. And I don't think that's to the detriment of players either. I, I think it's good for all involved, right? I think what it would do is it would cut down on the number of players who are just entering the portal and not finding new homes. Cause what you're seeing right now, Ricky is kids are transferring or, or entering the portal, right. With the intent to transfer away from the school. And then they realized that the interest from other schools may not be what they thought it was going to be. So then they put themselves in a really precarious situation where they're kind of in no man's land. Can't really find a new school, but don't want to return the one where they're at. David, and, 
David Gasson still has Virginia Tech on his list of schools that he might go to. Right. Right. Prime example. <laughs> I want to um, I want to read something from a, a tech press release that went out last month regarding NIL. Um, it says, again, this is directly from Virginia Tech. Additionally, yep. Director of Athletics Whip Babcock has confirmed that a trio of NIL collectives have offered their services to Virginia Tech student athletes, businesses, and donors. This is the key, the key sentence as far as I'm concerned. Babcock indicated the following three organizations have chosen to align with the Hokies. What does that mean? Like, I thought I thought the whole point was that the school was supposed to stay out of it. Well, yeah, that and, and Ricky, that press release came before the ruling last week. It was beginning of last week. The NCAA came out and said NIL collectives like these groups are now seen as boosters. So now these NIL collectives, these NIL groups, and I don't know specific to the three that you mentioned with Virginia Tech and how this impacts them, but these NIL groups that are getting together is just like huge boosters, just you know, piling all their money into NIL and then distributing it, you know, kind of where it needs to go. The NCAA is trying to cut down on that and say these these groups are considered to be boosters. And the reason why the NCAA came out and said that is because explicitly in the guidelines, right, for the NCAA, you cannot have boosters pay players or pay prospects. That's been a rule for years. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. We know what yeah. happens. And that's how, where do you think the money comes from, right? Like that's how players have been paid. They've been paid by boosters under the table. That's where the money comes from. But the NCAA has made it, tried to make it more difficult for programs to pull that off in the past. So now they're kind of going down the route of NIL collectives, which a lot of times do consist of boosters or high paying former athletes or whatever, you know, they're considered boosters now. So I don't know how that, this is very new because this came out, that legislation or that, that announcement from the NCAA came out last week. I don't know how that impacts things because in theory, Ricky, it's like, oh, collectives, right? So more than one person, you know, they're considered boosters. But how about if one guy says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the founder of an NIL corporation. It's just me, not a collective. It's just me. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I mean... One of, the, that way? one of the organizations that was aligning with tech is Hot Route Marketing. And according to Hot Route Marketing, they represent a vehicle in which business, donors, and fans can invest into a consolidated pool of resources from which NIL opportunities can be arranged for student athletes. How are you... How are you setting up an NIL opportunity for an athlete if there is no, like, if you're bringing in money from outside of the person that they would be representing? I, I like, it doesn't, it, it all seems very, very fishy and it stinks. Um, and unfortunately, this is, this is the situation that we're in, you know, like it's, it's one thing for, for, you know, fans to be able to purchase you know jerseys with the right number and the right name of a player and allow that player to be compensated for that you know that's that's what nil was supposed to be right right, right. um but 
this other stuff, man, is just it, it. It seems far outside the realm of what of what Virginia Tech, or excuse me, of what colleges were supposed to be doing um, in this in this this space. Right. So, long story short, there's a problem. Uh, I don't know immediate. I personally don't know immediately how to how to fix it, other than. I think what what the NCAA needs to do is, you know, for for the good of kind of both players and the schools, I do think there needs to be windows for the transfer portal. Um, Because again, and I can't make this any more clear, I am in favor of players being able to transfer one time for free. I'm wholly in favor of that. I'm also in favor of NIL. I am not in favor of coaching players and using NIL as a vehicle to do so. That's where I stand. I think that's where a lot of people stand. Um, and I'm, I don't like the attitude also by there's some media folks doing this. I don't like the attitude that people have where they're like, oh, this has been happening for years. So let's just like ignore the fact that this is an issue now. No, like, yeah, it's been happening for years where players have been paid under the table. That's a fact. I agree with that. We have never seen it where you could do it with the portal. So let's not pretend like this is like we're not unearthing new ground here. Like we all, and also just because we know that it's been happening for decades and decades doesn't right. mean that 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 the that the sport should be giving a legal pathway to do it. How are these people any different, and how are these media folks then any different from the NCAA? The NCAA has been ignoring it for years too. So now, like we just say, no, there's a problem. We we choose to ignore it. That's what the NCAA has been doing for years. And these media people are so quick to criticize the NCAA. When, you know, we talk about, you know, fans talk about how this is a problem with NIL and the transfer portal and players being coached and all this tampering, you know, when when fans talk about, you know, some of these media folks, they say, oh, it's been a problem for years, just ignore it, you know, stop, stop complaining. But then these same media people will complain about the NCAA ignoring problems with the sport. Like, get out of here with that. It drives me nuts. It's just like, it's so hypocritical. Yeah, it is. And Unfortunately, I'm not sure we're going we're going to get a solution anytime soon. No, um, no I, I think so. we're I think we're probably stuck in this situation that we've got. Um, anything else on NIL that you that you wanted to put out? I mean, I, I'm sure there will be some stuff that comes out this summer that will that will address uh, as needed. But I I really just wanted us to get together and kind of put some you know put our thoughts out there about all this stuff because we hadn't really been able to address the Jordan Addison stuff. And obviously, you know, Saban and Jimbo Fisher and Deion Sanders have been uh, giving folks plenty of fodder um, to, to go back and forth about as it relates to paying players and whatnot. Um, And, you know, Jim Saban and Jimbo both have good points. I, I have no doubt in my mind that, Texas A&M used every bit of NIL flexibility they had in order to secure a good chunk of their, their recruiting class. I also have no doubt in my mind that Nick Saban does not want anyone going it and opening up his closet. Yeah. I mean, Nick Saban, (laughs) it's, it sounded hilarious when Saban was complaining about A&M specifically. And I know he came out yesterday morning because he he made this comment a couple nights ago at some event and he came out yesterday morning. He said, I didn't mean to single out Texas A&M specifically. And then Jimbo Fisher came out in a press conference yesterday and kind of went scorched earth on Saban. I, by the way, they're, you know, 
Jimbo Fisher used to coach under Saban and LSU as his offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So it's yep. all pretty, it's all pretty funny at this point. Um, but I mean, Nick Saban wasn't shy about the fact that Bryce Young received a seven figure NIL deal. And now he's just out here also complaining about it. I just, it's all very weird to me. It stinks. Yeah. Anyway, we're the Hokie Hangover podcast. We'll be back next week. This really didn't have anything to do with Virginia Tech, although it kind of impacts Virginia Tech. So, well, I mean, it, it doesn't just kind of impact Virginia Tech. It directly, <laughs> it directly affects how Virginia Tech will be able to stay competitive. Virginia Tech's uh, the biggest loser. They're in that class. They're in the they're in the middle class. It's the biggest loser in all this. Where they could have years where they jump up and be really good, and they can have years where they are kind of like, like we've seen in recent years, like bowl eligible, you know, fringe bowl eligible team. But, you know, we've seen this program have success in the past. And there are a lot of schools in that camp where programs have had success on a national level in the past, where they've been relevant nationally some years. And those years are few and far between for a lot of schools. Virginia Tech's in that camp, right? Where Virginia Tech hasn't been nationally relevant in well over a decade, really, outside of the 2016 season, right? Um, So... Uh, but it's going to become fewer and more far between, I guess, best way to put it, for a lot of these middle-class programs who, you know, try to put together a few good years in a row and get themselves into, you know, playoff conversation, I guess. And it's just going to become harder and harder to do that because they're just not going to be able to, to acquire the same talent that some of these bigger schools are going to be able to acquire. And it's a bigger problem in college football than college basketball because, College basketball is a single limit, single elimination tournament format. Anything can kind of happen in the NCAA tournament. We know that, right? And it's just different in college football, right? You're you're never going to have a one sixty, you know, sixteen over a one upset in college football. It just doesn't. It it does not really happen. Um, I mean, it not it like it does happen. in college basketball. Yeah, like upsets are upsets are easier to happen in basketball for sure. Um, you know, but. You're right. We need to find a way to add a bit more parity to to the landscape because right now it, it it's non existent. And NIL, while a a an important piece of you know empowering athletes to take advantage of the um, of the success that they have on the field, is really a minefield as it relates to the sport and uh, for, for teams specifically. Yeah. It's uh, yep. It's going to be dicey. It's already dicey. I think it's going to continue to be that way. Uh, Ricky, unless you have anything else. Oh, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Let me sneak that in before I get the mic back over to you. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, Make sure you're hitting up main street farm while you're in Blacksburg. Um, Virginia Tech is hosts Virginia Tech softball is hosting their regional today, actually. Yeah, um, which is the first time they've ever hosted a regional. So, good luck to both the softball and baseball teams as they uh begin postseason play. Um, we're now, we're now a uh, baseball and softball. I mean, softball's been good for a number of years, but we're now a baseball and softball sports. Baseball teams are really good, also. <laughs> And on that note, we're done. Andrew should be back soon. He is in the process of moving in to his new digs in Charlotte. 
so we'll have him back as soon as possible. Um, but otherwise, this is the Hokey Hangover for Mike and myself. Take care.